Good morning. My name is Greg, and I'm privileged to be one of the pastors here at Community Bible Church. If you are our guest this morning, thank you so much for choosing to worship with us. Would you please turn your Bibles to the book of Daniel? We have been going through the book of Daniel this summer. And last week we looked at Daniel chapter 9, the first 19 verses. This morning we're going to look at Daniel chapter 9, verses 20 through 27. I would encourage you to keep your Bible a mark here because I will be coming back. This is my text. And as I read it, I will remind you that this is the Word of God. Matthew, the ninth chapter, 20th verse. Now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God in behalf of the holy mountain of my God, while I was still speaking in prayer, then the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. He gave me instruction and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding. At the beginning of your supplications, the command was issued, and I have come to tell you, for you were highly esteemed. So give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the beginning of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then after 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the Prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war desolations are determined and he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offerings and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate even unto a complete destruction one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate let's pray Now, Lord, there are many passages in Scripture, including this one, that are humbling to a preacher, to a pastor, to a teacher, to an expositor. Now, Lord, this is, this is strange. This is a lot of strange happenings here, Lord. Um, it seems awful complicated. Uh, it's a challenge to determine what is the point here, what is being driven home here. What, what exactly are we to do with this passage? 
So, Lord, I would ask that uh, you would give us this uh, wisdom, um, clarity. And, Lord, as we've been seeing in Daniel, as we mentioned several times previously, uh, humility. Lord, we come humble before you. And um, as Daniel was praying and confessing his sin, Lord, we confess our sins. And, Lord, we, we need your help. We, we, we thank you that the Bible is from you to us for this very moment and that the Holy Spirit that inspired this text is the Holy Spirit that uh, um, uh, lives in us today. So we pray that that spirit would help open our eyes and minds and hearts to the word. Amen. The best interpreter of scripture is scripture. Scripture interprets itself. We have the benefit and our day and age of having the completed Bible. The canon is concluded. We have all the scripture that God believed we needed to have. The benefit of that is, of course, we can take that scripture and then apply it to other scriptures, particularly those that on their face are difficult to understand. Um, I had mentioned this, I think, to Chris or somebody uh, this week. If I, was in, if I was into writing uh, academic papers, I think I'd write one on Daniel's uh, mental and spiritual condition uh, during this book. Because if you, as you've read through it, he is often exhausted, falling asleep, <laughs> weary of these revelations, these visions he keeps getting. Um, and, I, and again, I don't, I don't blame him because we have the uh, ability to be able to look back uh, on these things and have some degree of understanding of what was being talked about. Daniel, of course, had no reference point other than what has been revealed to him. Uh, this passage is, particularly verses 24 through 27, is, is difficult. It's difficult particularly if you're just reading through Daniel and you come to this and you don't have much experience with the rest of scripture. This is quite uh, a perplexing um, passage. Now the context here, verses 20 through 23, is that the angel Gabriel had come to help Daniel understand his previous vision. His previous vision. Uh, look back at chapter 8, verse 27. 8.27, then I, Daniel, was exhausted and sick for days. Then I got up and carried on the king's business. But I was astounded by the vision, and there was none to explain it. So, and again, we've seen this before, and we're actually going to see it again. Uh, this, these visions he's been receiving have just been so mind-blowing. It is sapping his strength. It's exhausting his, his mind. Uh, so here he got this vision in chapter 8. And he, he needed help to understand it. So the angel Gabriel was dispensed to give him some understanding. Now, Daniel waited a long time for this answer because we believe that there is a 12-year gap between when Daniel 8 took place and Daniel chapter 9. But nevertheless, this vision in Daniel chapter 8 was about the end times. The end times. Look at chapter 8, verse 17. 
And he came near to where I was standing. And when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, Son of man, understand that the vision pertains to the time of the end. Verse 19. He said, Behold, I am going to let you know what will occur at the final period of the indignation, for it pertains to the appointed time of the end. Uh, look at verse 26. The vision of the evenings and the mornings which has been told is true, but keep the vision secret, for it pertains to many days in the future. Now, the context here is that Daniel had been reading in the book of Jeremiah, and he had discovered in the book of Jeremiah that uh, the prophet Jeremiah had prophesied before the event that uh, the Jews would be carried away captive into Babylon and that they'd be held in captivity for 70 years. Well, as Daniel looked at the scripture and he read the book of Jeremiah, it dawned on him. I don't think it dawned on him. I think he'd been counting down on a calendar, to be honest with you. He had 70 years of calendars where he'd marked off with a big X. It's been 70 years. Daniel's an old man. He's been there from the beginning. But finally the day comes when he turns the, 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 the calendar and it's 70 years. He marks off that date. And uh, he's been thinking about, this is great. We're going to get to return. And they, and they were going to get to return. Uh, but, you know, the people are going to return. We're going to get back home. We're, gonna, we're going to have an opportunity to establish our uh, kingdom once again. Well, Gabriel wanted Daniel to understand that even though the Hebrew captives were going back to Israel, it was not going to be a reestablishment of God's kingdom. That that was something that was yet to happen in the future. That brings us to verses 24 through 27. This passage, this Old Testament, uh, this is the only Old Testament passage that uses the title Messiah. Verse 25. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. We'll get into the weeks in a minute. Uh, look at verse 26. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. All right. Again, this is the only Old Testament passage uh, that uses the word Messiah. Now, some of your translations might say anointed one. That's what Messiah means. He's the anointed one. But this is the only Old Testament passage that directly uses that phraseology. He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. That's very significant. Now, else, now again, it's not that that's the only place that we see the Messiah. Uh, we mentioned this last week. He's, he's also called Shiloh and the Root of Jesse and the Righteous Branch and the Prince of Peace. Uh, back in chapter 7, Daniel 7, verse 14, he's called the Son of Man. So he's, he's all through the Old Testament, but, but this is very important because it provides a great context to trying to understand verses 24 through 27. They deal with the Messiah. So that means it's about Jesus. It's about Christ, the Anointed One. Um, let me read you quickly Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So this Messiah that's being referred to in our passage 
is none other than Jesus. John uh, chapter 1. Uh, let me read that to you. John 1, 41. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. So Jesus is the Messiah. So you go back to Daniel chapter 9 and you look at verses 25 and 26. We are provided with great context. Whatever this is about, <laughs> and it seems kind of convoluted to, to English readers in the year 2022, but whatever this is about has something to do with the coming of Jesus. All right? Something to do with the coming of the Messiah. Now, in all fairness, there are several different beliefs about the meaning of this passage, uh, verses 24 through 27. Some see it as already having been fulfilled, that these were events that were uh, future to Daniel, but they're no longer future to us. They are past events. They were uh, fulfilled. Uh, they were about Israel's future, but no more. They've been fulfilled. That's one contemporary uh, interpretation of this passage. Other, many good contemporary scholars and believers and teachers believe that these are future events, uh, but that the 70 weeks is symbolic. Uh, that you don't want to, you know, you don't want to nail it down to a specific amount of time, that this was just a symbolic way of saying that uh, um, this is what's going to happen to, to Israel at, at some point. Okay. Uh, I disagree with both of those ideas. Um, and the, the main reason is, and we dealt with this in Sunday School the last two weeks, and I would encourage you, it's been recorded, uh, to, to go online and watch Sunday School the last two weeks, but it deals with uh, our uh, eschatology, meaning the study of the end times. In, in our eschatology, in the way we interpret these things, we make a dividing line between Israel and the church. Between Israel and the church. I believe, in many churches like ours, that the church is separate from Israel. And that this passage literally refers to a seven-year period of coming tribulation for Israel and for the whole world as far as that goes. That, the, that this is talking about something future. So let's look at verses 24 through 27 in particular. Verse 24. Seventy weeks have been decreed. Now, 70 weeks, and if you have any kind of study Bible or notes, you'll probably see some little indication, number, numeral, uh, uh, letter, something. Uh, in in uh, Hebrew, this 70 weeks is literally 70 sevens or 70 units of seven something. Okay? Now, you'll have to ask the Lord why he just didn't make it years and, w and we wouldn't have to spend, why he didn't just say years. But the Hebrew phraseology is 70 sevens, 70 units of seven. So um, 
We'll say more about that in a moment. Now notice verse 24, it goes on to say, 70 weeks has been decreed for your people and your holy city. Now, this prophecy is for the Jews only. It's about Daniel, your people. He was Jewish. Your holy city, that is Jerusalem. So the context here is very Jewish. The, the angel was very clear to Daniel. Listen, what I'm going to tell you here applies to your people, to your holy city. It applies to the, the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel. And we know that because it centers around the Messiah. He was the Jewish Messiah. He was the anointed one. He was the one who was going to come and reestablish the kingdom. So the, 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 whatever these 77s are, they revolve around the Jewish nation and they revolve around the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's important. Now, in Hebrew, the phrase translated weeks, again, means sevens. Uh, not seven, but sevens, plural. All right. Uh, so it says 70 sevens. 70 groups of seven somethings. The context leans towards those units of seven being years. All right. There's a long, there's a, there's a way to, to get to that. I, I, uh, but clearly, uh, most scholars believe, even those who interpret this differently, do believe that what is talking about here is 70 groups of seven uh, years. Uh, by the way, speaking of that, did, did you see that the earth sped up recently? Seriously, how many, how many saw that? Um, on June 29th, the earth completed its quickest ever spin, causing the day to last. Are you ready? This probably sets you, your clocks away, your internal clock way off. 1.59 milliseconds less. Now that's a thousandth of a second. Okay. Uh, so the Earth rotated faster than ever before by 1.59 milliseconds. So there's talk of someday needing to have a, a negative leap second falling back a second someday. Now, those of us who live through Y2K can only imagine what kind of hysteria that's going to be. <laughs> I still got canned food in my basement from Y2K. Um, my point is that months and days and years have not always been calculated the same way. Many ancient calendars used 360 days, not 365, right? And we say, well, we're so enlightened. We know it's 365 days. Okay, but what do we have to do? We have to add a leap year, right? We have to add one day uh, every seven years. We have, to, we have to make an adjustment. It's not exactly 365 days. Another fun fact, Christmas this year is on uh, Sunday. 25th is on Sunday. But do you know that the next Christmas that falls on Sunday is 11 years after that? That's counterintuitive, is it not? 11 years. Why is that? Leap year. 
because we have to make adjustment for the actual uh, uh, minutes, seconds involved in, in, a, in a rotation around the earth. Uh, so when it talks here about 70 uh, weeks, of, uh, seven years, uh, we understand that that's been calculated different ways throughout the years. However, in a general way of putting it, let's do the math. 70 years times 7 years, 70 times 7 is 490 years. Okay. So um, we'll get back to verse 24 shortly, but this 70 weeks has been decreed for your people in your holy city. Okay, this is for a period of 490 years. Verse 25. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree. So when does this period start? To restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. All right. So uh, you add those together. 69 of the 70 weeks have already been fulfilled. So there's going to be some decree uh, that uh, will be uh, in two segments. Seven of these weeks, or 70 times seven, 49, and then the, the remaining 63. Now this, so 69 of these 70 weeks have already been fulfilled. It seems likely that this period starts when uh, Artaxerxes decreed that Jerusalem could be rebuilt. Keep your hand here. Go back towards the book of Genesis to the book of Nehemiah. So again, uh, he, he says in verse 25, uh, so you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree and restore and rebuild Jerusalem until what? Until Messiah shows up. Until Messiah shows up. All right. Um, so you go back to Nehemiah 2, verse 1. It came about in the, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not, I had not been sad in his presence. The implication is he is now. All right, so uh, this is Nehemiah before King Artaxerxes. Verse 5. And uh, so the king says, why are you sad? And he, Nehemiah offered a quick prayer in verse 4. And I said to the king, If it please the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that's Jerusalem, that I might rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, How long will your journey be, and when will we return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I gave him a definite time. And I said to the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me, for the governors of the provinces beyond the river, that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the, king, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple, for the wall of the city, and for the house to which I will go. That's the temple. And the king granted me them uh, to me because of the good hand of my God was on me. So this is the decree that's going to happen. Uh, after uh, these event, after Daniel's life, um, there's going to be this decree that uh, 
through Artaxerxes. Now, there was already a decree that they could go back, but this is specific, that they rebuild Jerusalem. You understand it? That they rebuild the temple. It's a very specific decree. What, so we'll go back to Daniel 9, 25, and what does it tell us about this rebuilding? So you are to know and discern that from the issuing a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, comes, there will be seven weeks, all right, and then 62 weeks. So in other words, from the issuing of the decree until the job is finished, there will be 49 years, seven times seven, to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. 49 years from the time the decree is made until uh, uh, it says at the end of verse 25, it will be built again. Now, not, it won't be easy. There will be times of distress. Read the book of Nehemiah. You'll find out about that. But nevertheless, from the decree it is given till it is rebuilt is 49 years, and that is what happened. The next 62 weeks, all right, will be awaiting the Messiah. So you have the seven, the 62, that's 69 weeks. That's 69 weeks. Um, so the, 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 uh, the, the 62 weeks is th uh, 434 years, more years, waiting for the Messiah. 49 years to rebuild Jerusalem, another 434 years awaiting for the Messiah. Again, verse 25, until Messiah the Prince. Until Messiah the Prince. So let's do the math again. You take 49 years plus 434 years, and you have 483 years. Now, when you count solar years from the year of the decree in 445 B.C. until Christ, uh, 30 A.D. approximately, you have 483 years. Now, there are those who are much smarter than me who will actually give you that they can, they think they can give you the day, the day that the, that the decree was made and the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. I'll trust them on that, but uh, that's above my head. But nevertheless, so we find here that there's going to be 483 years uh, until the Messiah comes. Verse 26. Then after the 62 weeks, all right, so that's 62 plus the, the 7, all right, so that's a total of 69 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. So this 69 weeks leaves seven years to come. Verse 26. There's seven years missing. Now look at it. Verse 26. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. Now notice the next part. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war. Desolations are determined. After 483 years from uh, the decree, the decree, the Messiah will be cut off. What does it mean the Messiah will be cut off? 
the Messiah will be crucified. The Messiah will be crucified. And then comes someone else. Verse 26, Then after 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come. There's, so when he's cut off, there will come, and here's the issue, when and how much time between those events. Uh, but this event restarts the calendar. Uh, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and his end will come with a flood, even to the end where, where there will be war and desolations are determined. After 62 weeks, plus the seven weeks, the Messiah will come but will be cut off short of his full mission. What the Old Testament people did not understand, which we do, because it's now, the best way to interpret prophecy, of course, is after it's fulfilled, right? So when Daniel wrote this Messiah being cut off, they didn't, they had no, they didn't know what that meant. Of course, we do. All right. Um, they didn't understand that the Messiah's coming was in two parts. Now, we do. We have fuller revelation. We have a completed canon. But they didn't understand that the Messiah would first come as a suffering servant and give his life a ransom for many, and then he would return as a conquering king and rule with a rod of iron. They put those two together, right? So that's why when he rode into Jerusalem to be crucified... They didn't know that. They, he wrote in Jerusalem, they said, Hosanna to the king. They thought he was, the Messiah has arrived. He's going to restore the kingdom. He's going to throw out those nasty Romans. And Jerusalem will be the, the center of God's kingdom again. That's what they thought. And lo and behold, a week later, he's dead. We know, however, that the coming of the Messiah is in two stages. Coming as a suffering servant. Coming as a reigning king. We know that. They, of course, did not. We understand it. We have hindsight. We are in what we call the church age. The church age is between Christ's resurrection and ascension until his return. So in verse 26, there's like a suspension, if you will, of prophecy. There's like an, an, an interruption. You have Christ being cut off until this prince to come, which we'll see here in a moment who that is. It's like, it's like the, 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 the seventh uh, year, the, the, the seven years is missing. The 70th week is the seven years of tribulation talked about were the tribulation period. That's what the way we interpret scripture, which, it, which is futuristic, um, we believe that that is what's being dealt with here. The tribulation period. Verse 27, and he will make a firm covenant. Now this, the he is the prince who will come, in verse 26, to destroy the city. But first, you notice, he will come and make a firm covenant with the many for one week, for seven years. He will come and make a covenant. And he comes as a false messiah or an antichrist. 
a false messiah who says, I can bring peace. He comes as a peacemaker. Uh, I can bring peace. And he makes a covenant, particularly with Israel, and guarantees them peace. And they will accept this. But in the middle of the seven years, the Antichrist will break his peace agreement with Israel. So there's seven years. They're divided by what we call the abomination of desolation. The seven years are divided by the abomination of desolation. This event, in the middle of the seven years, in the middle of the covenant, in the middle of the peace treaty, he's going to break it by doing something that is abominable, something that is horrifying to the Jews. He's going to enter the temple and claim himself to be God. That's the abomination of desolation. Revelation 13, 6. And he opened his mouth and blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. He, he blasphemes God, his temple, and even his, his followers who, who, who are in heaven already. He blasphemes them all. He's the Antichrist. He's the anti-Messiah. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Uh, the son of destruction, one who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. That is what verses 26 and 27 are talking about. There's going to come one who will claim to be the Messiah. And he'll come and he'll make peace and the Jews will, will accept this peace treaty and they'll have peace for three and a half years until he marches into the temple and declares, worship me, I am God. And of course, at that point, people have to make a decision. Three and a half years of peace, three and a half years of war. However, we know that the Messiah returns and completely destroys the Antichrist. That's what it says here. Um, Verse 27, and he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to the sacrifice and grain offering, what's been going on in the temple, which he, he allowed to be reestablished and, and reoffered the sacrifices. And on the wing of abomination he will come one who makes desolate, even until, so he's the abomination of desolation, he's the Antichrist, even until complete des uh, destruction, one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So his end is coming. He will be completely destroyed. Revelation 19, 11. And I saw heaven open to behold a white horse, and he who sat on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. Verse 16. And on his robe and on his thigh he had a, has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is obviously Jesus. Verse 20. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs of his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. So that is the conclusion of verse 27. That's what happens. But I want to quickly revisit verse 24. Look at verse 24. <clears throat> 
Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city. Now notice, what's going to happen then um, with this Messiah? All right, verse 25, 26. To, it's, there's six things listed here. To finish transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity. That's what Christ did on the cross. When Christ was cut off, he was dying for sin, for our sin, for our iniquity. He was making atonement. That's what he was doing. That's what he came the first time for. However, it goes on to say, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. However, he did three of those things the first time. He will do these other three the second time. He isn't finished yet. He, he, he was, from their viewpoint, he was cut off. Now, we know it was in the plan of God. <laughs> it was all about the cross. We understand that was the plan all along. They did not. So to them, the Messiah got cut short. But however, in, the, in, in, in his first coming, he did fulfill his, his mission to, to forgive sin, to make atonement, um, uh, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to bring atonement for iniquity. He died for sin. When he comes back, he will bring everlasting righteousness. He'll seal up vision and prophecy. When he comes back, there won't be anymore. It's been all completed and anoint the most holy place. So, he's not finished yet. One last verse, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 6. So, when, 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 when? He's coming back. When? When is all this going to happen? When? When will we know the, who the Antichrist is? When? When will we see this covenant? What? When, man, when? Well, look at Acts 1, uh, verse 6. So they said to the Lord, uh, so, so when they said, oh, I'm sorry, so when they had come together, I'm getting so excited I can't follow my own. They were asking him, saying, right? When? 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 Lord, is it, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, oh, I hate this answer. It is not for you to know times or epics which the Father has fixed by his authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and what you should do, you shall be witnesses, my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. They wanted to know when. He wanted to know if they were going to get busy. We can't control when the Messiah is returning, but we can fulfill his instructions while we wait. Let's pray. Lord, it, it, Acts chapter 1 here, these, these three verses, they're very dispensational. It's a very dispensational viewpoint. They, they wanted the kingdom now. And Jesus said, it's coming. The kingdom is coming, but it's not for you to know when. But it, it is for you to...
take this gift of the Holy Spirit and be a witness, a testimony. So, Lord, that's our challenge. We don't know when. We don't know how short time may be. But we do know that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We know that. And other people need to know that. So until he comes, may that be our message. Amen.